At some point in high school, I started to really care about getting good grades. And I must admit, initially this was to impress my girlfriend. She was very smart. And by the way, I think it worked. But also because I wanted to get into a good college. I wanted a scholarship. So I started paying more attention to school. And one of the things that kept me honest in school were, this, were these pop quizzes. Right? A pop quiz, a teacher can quiz you at any moment without announcement ahead of time. So you have to pay attention to the lectures. You have to be doing the reading. You've got to know your stuff. And if you're not ready, you won't do very well on the quiz. Some people think that the coming of Jesus is like a pop quiz. Right? In today's gospel, we see that there are five virgins in this parable who are wise. They're the ones that have the oil. And there are five virgins who are foolish and they don't have oil. And the virgins who are wise were able to get into the wedding feast because they were ready for when the bridegroom came. And the five virgins who were foolish were not able to get in. And so like a pop quiz, the coming of Jesus, um, both at the end and our own death, is not known. And like a pop quiz, if you're prepared for the coming of Jesus, you'll do well. If you're not prepared, not so much. But unlike a pop quiz... The coming of Jesus is not about getting a, a small grade in a class in one semester. Whether or not we do well at the coming of Jesus is really about whether or not we flunk life or whether or not we, not, whether or not we get into the wedding feast of heaven. And so the difference between the wise and the, and the foolish virgins are this oil. So what does it mean to have oil? Right? Some commentators will talk about oil in, in different ways. But one of the things that can give us a hint of what this oil is, and what we need to have in order to be ready for the coming of Christ, is actually the response that Jesus gives at the wedding feast to the foolish virgins who try to get in. Right? They're knocking on the door. Lord, Lord, like open the door for us. And Jesus responds, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. There's something about the oil that involves knowledge of God, knowledge of Jesus, a personal knowledge of him. And we know this because earlier in the parable, the foolish virgins who weren't ready, who didn't have the oil, they tried borrowing oil from the, from the wise virgins. In a certain sense, you can say that you cannot borrow someone else's faith. That in the end, it really is about you and God. You cannot borrow someone else's relationship with God. We have to have it ourselves. And so one of the things, you, if you think about this in terms of oil and relationship, that uh, we can talk about how we need to have this relationship with Jesus. And, and a few years ago when I preached on this, when this came up in the cycle of readings, I talked about how is it that we can gather the oil of a relationship with Jesus through, through three primary things. That is prayer from the heart. Number two, study and knowledge of God in the scriptures and our church's tradition. And number three is loving someone, loving our neighbors. But I want to talk today about something that's more foundational to that, that's at the foundation of our relationship with God, and that is a sincere longing and desire for God himself. A sincere longing and desire for God. And that is not just because those things, or that longing and desire for God, helps fuel our, our prayer, not only because it helps fuel our search for God intellectually, and not only because it helps us to love our neighbor, but because the desire and longing for God serves as an impetus or perhaps serves as a thrusting of our heart and our soul to God himself. It acts like a spiritual gravity that draws us to God. This is why St. Augustine talks about our desire as being and our love being our weight. 
It's our weight that draws us and kind of propels us to God. And this is really important. And so it's, I essentially believe that the, the presence of a strong desire for God is one of the safest signs that we have oil in our life. And when that desire is not there, it can be a warning sign for us. So contrary to what the world thinks, Christianity is a religion of desire. The world thinks that we're just simply saying no to desire, that we're not about fulfillment. It's exactly the opposite. In fact, Christianity is, that is this understanding that God has come to bring us the fullness of redemption in which the deepest desires of our heart will be fulfilled in God. And so the early issue is that Jesus wants to come and redeem us to reorder our desires so that we can be fulfilled. After all, we are made for God, right? And because we're made for God, it means that our deepest desires can actually lead us to him rather than actually bring us away from him. It's only when those desires go astray can they actually lead us away from him. And this is important. So what does it look like? Well, in today's psalm, in the psalm response, you can get a glimpse of what this can look like in our prayer. Right? The psalm response, my soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. We can pray that sincerely. My soul is thirsting for you. Notice the language of thirst. The psalm itself, Psalm 63. O God, you are my God, whom I seek. Or in the breviary it says, O God, who are my God, for you I long. Seeking, longing. He continues, for you my, my flesh pines, and my soul thirsts like earth, parched, lifeless, without, and without water. Right? This thirsting, this hungering, this, this desiring of God. Notice how the psalmist is acknowledging that need for God. He's praying out of that, psalm, that, that desire, that need. He's not trying to explain it away. He's not trying to say, I don't need this. Nor is he trying to fill this desire for God with other things. He's praying out of this desire because that desire is actually lifting him up into God's presence. And though what's so powerful about this is that when we allow our desires to lift us up into God's presence, it opens our hearts to receive the fullness of God, which gives us satisfaction. But when we try to fill these desires for God with other things, we are left empty, and it doesn't give us any peace. This is really important, because what we see is that this, perhaps, is one of the most important lessons in the spiritual life, that our deep longings and desires can propel us to have this relationship with God, to stay with him so that we're ready for him when he comes. And so why is it that we struggle living out of this longing? Why is it that we struggle kind of staying in this desire? Well, simply put, I think we can say we, just, we have a hard time admitting that we need God. We have a hard time that God is the fulfillment of, or admitting that he is the fulfillment of our desire. And so instead, we try to fill this deep longing for God with other things that are not him. That's simply what it is. After all, it's very difficult for us to say that this life is not going to fulfill us. It's difficult for us to admit that I, don't, I can't be in control of my life. I can't provide for myself. I need someone outside of me. That can be difficult. In fact, I believe there are a lot of people who are living their lives in denial of these fundamental facts. Denial, with the, denial of the fact that each of us is going to die and that we're made for God. And people who live in denial are never really living in reality. And then they're, therefore, they're living in this, this kind of constant frustration. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's also difficult to admit our weaknesses and our failures. The places where we're wounded, the places where we need God, the places of our, of our dysfunction in our own hearts. And that's why we seek so many other things other than God. 
And that's why we try to fill our hearts with those things. But I have good news. The good news is this, is that God is with us in our desires. He's with us in our longings. He actually is with us and he's present to us, not only because he's the fulfillment of them, the ultimate fulfillment of them, but because he desires us. And brothers and sisters, in our deep desire for him, he's desiring us. And that is so consoling. And that means that we can embrace our desire for him and not try to stuff it down as if it's somehow abnormal. It's actually a healthy thing to long for God. And so I want to just offer two brief points that can help us to stay in this longing for God. Number one, remember who Jesus is in your desires. Remember who he is in your desires. If you long for peace, the fullness of peace, Maybe it's because you're anxious, you're insecure, or you're fearful. Know that Jesus is the fullness of peace, and you're really longing for him. If you're longing for love, Jesus is the fullness of love, so that when you feel sad, when you feel rejected, when you feel abandoned, you don't really have, maybe you feel alone, and you're longing for companionship and for acceptance, you're really longing for him. Imagine if you're, if you're longing for, for um Justice, for example, like you're really longing for justice to be done. Maybe you're angry at the corruption you see. Maybe you're angry at what's happening in the world. Maybe you see maybe what's going on in the church and you're getting so angry. Realize that your desire for justice is your desire for Jesus, who is the son of justice. He is the one that brings and makes everything right. He makes all things new. And maybe if you're suffering or you're, 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 you're suffering the loss of a loved one, Maybe you're longing for life. You're longing for life because you, you had a, a bad diagnosis recently and someone in your family or maybe yourself and you long God to really make things new. Remember that it's Jesus himself who is the fullness of life. You're really longing for him. You see, the truth is, is that when we long for Jesus, we long for the very fulfillment of our desires and the deepest desires that we have in our hearts are longing for him. So the first way of staying in that desire is to recognize Jesus in your own desires. Number two, acknowledge your tendencies to avoid expressing these desires to God in prayer. Acknowledge your tendencies to avoid expressing these desires to God in prayer. And so oftentimes, instead of bringing our pain and our suffering and our painful longing to him, what we tend to do is go to other things. For some of you, it might be, hey, look, I'm really suffering and I'm not acknowledging these things to God in prayer, so I'm going to go to food. I'm just going to eat. Or I'm going to go to drink, just to have a couple drinks. Or maybe I'm going to go to sex. Right? Without bringing these things to the Lord first, we try to fill these desires with things that are not going to ultimately fulfill us. Or maybe some of you, instead of actually acknowledging what's going on in your heart because it's difficult, maybe just drown yourself in work. Maybe you're constantly working. Maybe you're constantly busy, right? Because it's, it's much easier to do that and to find meaning in that rather than to actually allow yourself to hunger for God who alone is the one that can give us rest, that can give us satisfaction at the fruit of our hands. Or maybe some of you just get, we get lost in, in endless entertainment. You're, you're going from one movie to the other movie or you're watching this uh, Netflix show or you're binging this and, or maybe you're constantly on social media. Or might, maybe you're at home and the TV always has to be on. Or the radio always has to be on. You've got to be constantly distracting yourself. Maybe that's your temptation. Whatever it is, acknowledge it and bring your deep desires to him and recognize him in it. 
Because that's the path to peace. I cannot emphasize this enough. The path to peace is recognizing that in your desires, you are being desired. It's important for us to recognize this because Jesus is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And staying awake for his coming is much more consequential than doing well on a pop quiz. It's about eternal life. It's about allowing this love that God has for us to echo in our heart so that we can long for him and desire him so as to have the oil necessary to have that relationship with him. And the good news is, is that we do not have to wait until heaven to see and be with our bridegroom. In just a few moments, he's going to be with us. He's going to present himself to us, and he's going to be here I encourage you to really pray from your desire to, as you encounter him. And maybe your prayer is going to be, Lord, give me an increase of desire for you. Help me to see you in my desires. Or maybe it's going to be, Lord, I just want more of you. I'm struggling with this, this, and this. Whatever it is, remember your bridegroom is coming. He is here. And if we're ready, and if we're ready for this coming, we will be ready for the coming of Jesus at the end.